Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve, and you're listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, an irreverent look at wedding photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. Dustin, I think you have a special announcement for us today about what we're what we're going to be doing. Hey guys, I've got Ben Hartley here, the owner of Style and Story. Uh, photography based out of Columbus, Ohio, in the good old mid of West. Uh, he is also the host of the incredible podcast, Six Figure Photography. And as if he isn't busy enough, he does daily live videos. He has spoken on Creative Live. He's keynoted several of the largest photography conference. And he has three beautiful children, two of which are his new twin boys. Ben Hartley, how are you? Dustin, I'm doing so well, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. We're happy to have you. Ben, you're from Columbus, Ohio? You betcha. Uh, so, gr- so grew up in Sandusky, now oh, live in cool. Columbus, Ohio. Did you ever work at Cedar Point? You know what? Fun story. Look at this. Already the first story is coming out. So uh, I worked at Cedar Point for a grand total of one week. Now, Whoa. mind you, yes, <laughs> the shortest job I've ever had. Mind you, Stephen, there was a uh, I I did training for longer, so it wasn't like I got through all the training. The training lasted. I'd have to go back and think how long. I don't know, probably a couple weeks. But the official time I got in, I was only there for a week. The problem with Cedar Point. Stephen is as a local, like I didn't actually, a lot of the employees live on site. You actually like mm-hmm. there. Well, here's the deal. I'd either end up an hour late to work every day or an hour early work, <laughs> to, like an hour early to work every day because the traffic gets so backed up and was so crazy that particular summer. So that was a nuisance. And it was, I worked at a place, it was called chicken and fries. <laughs> guess what? Guess what we did there? Um, uh, hot dogs and um, <laughs> Mountain, yeah. Mountain Dew. Mountain, yeah, it was a chicken and fries. That was it. And it was the worst job I've ever had. And I promptly quit. Uh, <laughs> I promptly quit. The, the, the final straw for me was once I was clocked out, and this was, I get it, this was my bad. I was clocked out. I was leaving, I was leaving the park, and I saw a candy apple, and I was like, damn, that looks like a fantastic candy apple after working like 10 hours at a terrible <laughs> job. And I went, I bought said candy apple, and I took a bite of said candy apple, in which I was uh, discovered by somebody else seeing me eat the apple and it became a whole big thing. And I had, uh, well, it, it ended up just me leaving. Cause I was like, this is some, this is some BS. I just want to eat a candy apple in peace. Oh, wait, you got in trouble for eating. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was probably because I was on park grounds and I, I probably had a, like my little windbreaker, you know, those little blue windbreakers that everyone yeah. wears. Well, maybe they don't wear them. I haven't been to this point in a long time, uh, but I had one of those on. And, um, and so I think it was that I would think it was the combination, which, which is fair. Let's be honest. It's a brand move. They don't want employees just like walking around, you know, eating stuff eating at the giant park. Caramel so, apples. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. But there was like zero perks. To, <laughs> to, to <laughs> deal. So I was out. Man. So you never had to learn the whole spiel that they do right before they send you off on the roller coaster where they're like, and enjoy your day at America's roller coast. You got to put rock in, rock in roller coast. (laughs) No, I didn't. I always thought that would be what I would do for the rest of my life as a child. I would look up (laughs) like 
they were probably actually just like high schoolers or college kids, but I always thought they looked so old and they were all so attractive as a young kid. I was like, Oh my gosh, wow. Well, uh, maybe I'm going off. And <laughs> I think I'm steering this down a different direction. Oh, this is fascinating. Uh, no, is it? Yeah. So, uh, so no, it never got the opportunity to do that. It was either, I imagine myself, being one of the roller coaster send off people or one of those dudes who tries to guess your age and weight. It was, Oh, it was, that'd be so fun. Is yeah. There, so yeah. is there a secret to that? The age and weight game? Oh, I'm sure there is. I do not. Oh, know. So you never I, got to that level. Never got to, wow. Level. Yeah. I never descended to that level. <laughs> the inner circle of Cedar point secrets. Yes. Well, perfect. That's awesome. So walk us through real quick, Ben, in kind of like a m- couple minutes or less, how you got from Cedar Point to one of the most successful wedding photographers, not only in Columbus, but the entire world. Wow. That's a big leap. I appreciate that. I'm not going to deny. I'm like, look, I'm just going to say thank you at that point. <laughs> um, uh, as far fetched as that may sound, I'll just say thank you. Look, I think, um, let me, let me go through bullet points here. I have always done what I love to do. And then I have, and, and actually just like Cedar Point, when it's, when it doesn't line up, I just stopped doing the thing, <laughs> but I always, I was, you know, I always, I try to have as best discernment as possible. And there's obviously tasks that are jobs, right? Like you just have a job, but I would say, you know, even those early years in high school is probably actually where it all began. I, um, I ended up leaving my high school junior year. So two years before graduation, junior year, I ended up just piecing out, leaving my high school and transferring uh, 25 minutes away to commute to a different high school solely because they had a better art program. And so for me, the foundation has always been making things look good. It's always been um, creating, uh, crafting something from, I mean, from that point on. And so um, well, most people are, um, maybe transferring schools or looking for a private school. I mean, I, I transferred to a public school. <laughs> it was like, it wasn't even like some private school. It was just like another public school that just had a, a far greater art program. Sinuski high school represent. But I think, I think, uh, it, it was that. And I would, man, like I, not only did I, I transfer schools, but like I would spend Every I would come home from school and I would just spend hours upon hours working on these paintings in the, in in my parents' basement, and and this is high school and I was making like six foot oil paintings like outside of school, <laughs> like on my own time. Like that's that's where um, that's where it really began. Uh, so we can go a number of directions from there, but I figured maybe that's just the original foundation that you're looking for. Yeah. So kind of your your initial interest in the art world uh, was more in the in the painting realm. And then it sounded like from what little background I've kind of gathered from you and and your podcast is that, you know, it kind of came down to the brass tacks of, okay, I need to support my family, which I think everyone can respect that. And was like, I kind of like taking pictures. Let's make a go at this. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's always this balance of, of like pursuing your passion, doing what you love, um, and also trying to understand practicality. Um, and I think too, the more that I've matured, I've understand that maybe it's all, all a lot more practical than what I originally thought. Like to be quite candid, if I knew what I know now and I rewind 10 years back, I'd probably still just be an oil painter or, you know, or maybe not, but, but maybe photography wouldn't even become the thing or a thing that I've thrived in. Um, maybe it would have been something else because I think at the age that I was, I didn't realize how incredibly practical it all is to 
to do what you love and actually design a life based around that. Mm. And so when I graduated college, though, I didn't quite understand that. I didn't believe it to the fullest extent. And maybe too, I, I think there's always, there's always seasons, right? Like I think it's easier for someone who's fresh out of college, they're single, no kids to go and make bold moves, right? And to go really chase after those dreams versus having, uh, you know, a family. <laughs> sure. So there's like greater doses of practicality. And so for me, it was just graduating college. Uh, the week that my wife graduated, uh, we got married. Like literally she, she got married. Boom. I'm sorry. She graduated. Boom. We got married. There you go. And so, uh, and so we were just kind of like faced with this, this life of, you know, oil painting major, uh, in school, student loans, student debt from both of us. Um, prior, uh, to us getting married, you know, I was in full-time ministry and then when we did get married, she was in full-time ministry. And so it's not the most lucrative thing, at least if you're doing it right, it's not like, a, sure. I think is the, <laughs> probably the jab I would give. Um, and so, so yeah, the, the reality was that money was tight and we were really trying to take a look and consider what are the options that we have. And, you know, Dustin, it's like, as long as I'm making something I'm happy. Like I don't have to be an oil painter clearly. Right. Like I didn't have to be, but I did need to be able to a be in control and be express myself. And so the option for wedding photography, uh, was a great move. You know, all my oil paintings are figurative. I've always found that people are the most important and fascinating thing in this world. And so that's what I paint. And so to go from oil painting of figures to photography, you know, especially wedding photography. Like I love people. Like I just, I think people are, are just so fascinating. And so to be there and to document and to tell stories that show humanity, it was a great, it was a great next step. Perfect. So Ben, are you still oil painting? You know, um, I have an oil, actually, I just, I just did an Instagram post. Go follow me at J Ben Hartley. There's my mass plug right there. So J Ben Hartley on Instagram, uh, the letter J and I just did a post on Instagram actually about oil painting, um, and a recent painting that I'm currently working on. And, and by currently <laughs> Dustin, Stephen currently means like, it's been a couple years since I started it. <laughs> the boys really like, I've got twin boys. They're a, just over a year old. It really mm -hmm. put a damper on things in terms of just like casual free time to relax and oil paint <laughs> with chemicals uh, in the living room. Right. Like it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do these days. Um, so it's taken a pause, but I'm getting ready, I think, to, to kind of jump back in here uh, and continue to work on it. Um, the approach that I have to oil painting, it's very involved. It's very, it's, it's very intense. Again, I'm dealing with oils and so it is all like chemical based. Um, so there's that component. Um, but also the technique that I use, uh, is one that, you know, my pieces tend to take over a couple hundred hours, you know, 400 hours is not like, that's not shocking to me for an oil painting. And so it's a very lengthy process. So yes, <laughs> yes and no. Uh, let's, Hey, let's talk at the end of the year and we'll see how things are going. Okay. All right. So we game. can just schedule you in right now for another interview at the end of the year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sure, that, sounds, that sounds grand. It'll be a real short interview. It'd be like, hey, Ben Hartley, we're just checking in on that oil painting. <laughs> you know what? Let's just make it a DM. How about just a DM on Insta? Let's just do that. There you go. So I wanted to talk briefly, though, about um, how you kind of scaled things. I think that's one of the elements that sort of fascinates me the most about style and story is that you kind of went from Ben Hartley and your wife, the husband-wife duo, to 
Ben Adams and his wife to then, you know, this stable of five amazing photographers, all in a very short period of time. You know, there was some rebranding that went into that when you moved to Columbus. And it's just been kind of this roller coaster ride. I mean, I don't know if that comes from your, you know, heritage of being a Sandusky boy, but um, (laughs) yeah, it's it's been really (laughs) exciting to watch from a distance. You know, people have often often asked this question. We can go into more specifics. It's such like a right now we're in like super broad zone. Um, But I feel like the question is often, how did you find the photographers that you found? What was the decision making process to grow? How did you do it? And so let's start with step one. The way that we found our photographers is maybe kind of a component to it. Actually, not. let's even let's rewind past that. Like, I think this big picture, you just have to know why you're doing anything. And I'm, I am, and this is not necessarily a pro. I need you guys to understand this. Like the reason that we grew to where we grew was, was not initially out of any desire to make more money. It was never money oriented. And again, I say that as like, it's, it's like pro con, you could go either way with it. I think that it expresses itself in different ways in my own life, but like, I'm not like the super savvy business guy that was out there trying to like create this massive studio that could rack in all of the dollars and could do great things. Like, um, for me, it was just, I was lonely. I wanted to like, and I think a lot of creatives are, I think a lot of solopreneurs are, I think when you have to wake up, uh, grab your laptop and go, uh, to work in your living room every day, uh, to make the thing work, it gets lonely. I think it doesn't change when you've got to go grab your laptop, hop in a car and go drive to your studio where you sit there alone and you answer emails and you edit pictures and you have Netflix in the top right hand corner. I think that, uh, I mean, for me, it was, it was living room. It was the, you know, it was the bedroom. It was for us. There was two years where we just worked out of our garage, like, and even as a husband and wife team that Leslie and I were, you know, yes, husband and wife, we had each other, but even that you have this sense of isolation. And this is why photographers are, are so anxious and antsy to get to workshops and to get to conferences is to be a part of something that is bigger, to find that inspiration and that excitement to get better, to push, to network, to brainstorm, to like, to hear other ideas and to see other ideas and to meet other creatives. And for me, I just recognized, I don't want to wait. Like I want this to be my every day. I want every day to be a day that I get to show up and uh, and get pushed to become better, to have someone to bounce ideas off of, uh, to not be in a vacuum. I think very rarely greatness happens in a vacuum. And I wanted to just create the circumstances that even if it wasn't monetarily profitable, I would simply enjoy my life more. Sure. Uh, so that's that was kind of the mentality of where things began. Makes sense. I mean, that's why we started this podcast because obviously Stephen and I were lonely, right? I think I that, do got uh, some Dustin in my life. <laughs> a little du- Do you ever go by Dusty? By the way, I do not. I don't. Okay. All right. Well, I won't start. Uh, I won't be that. <laughs> you hear that tone of voice he took with you when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Whenever someone well, tries to call me that, uh, my wife gets really offended or upset and like jumps to my defense, and I'm like, it's. Just no one ever called me that, and she dislikes that that pet name or nickname, and and so she's like, "I'm not going to let anyone start it." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Love it. I won't start it. 
So if you're listening to this podcast right now, please jump over onto Dustin's Instagram or his Facebook, just wherever, and just say, hey, Dusty, what's up? Hey, Dusty, what's up? Can we back up like five minutes and talk a little bit about the J in Ben Hartley? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we can do that. That's my name. <laughs> this is going to be a short story, you guys. My name is J. Uh, my name is the letter J. No period, no J-A-Y. It doesn't stand for anything. My name is J. Middle name Benjamin, J. Benjamin. I never have gone by J. Actually, I don't want to say I've never gone by J. I used to be like a professional like longboarder. And back uh, then, I used to go by J-Ben. Like J-Ben was my name, J-Ben. But anyhow, so... I like yeah, how you J- casually drop that. Like I used to be a professional <laughs> longboarder, like as if Look, it was just a weekend spree. I started saying that I do what I love. And when I love mm-hmm. something, I put my all into it and I figure out a way to do a number of things. I figure out a way to bring people along with me, right? To actually like bring a following along with me so that way I'm not doing it alone. I find a way to make a lifestyle around it and a living around it. And that was no different with longboarding. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but that back then it was J Ben. Um, so yeah, J uh, Benjamin Hartley. Um, I finally, I just bought benhartley.com because nobody calls me J Ben. I own jbenhartley.com, which will just end up forwarding you over to benhartley.com. Some, some jerk was just sitting on it trying to get me to buy it. <laughs> and I suppose he won. He won that battle. Yes, he did. <laughs> Thank you for that check, by the way, Ben. That was really kind of you. Was that you, Dusty? <laughs> <laughs> I had to jab. I had to. All right. Um, so moving forward, moving up, uh, do you see yourself stopping with five? Is there like a limit to the growth of which style and story can be? Yeah, I mean, I think you need to know the game that you're playing, right? And so as we've grown, there's been adjustments that have been made. Like I think when it was... And it's not that I think I know when we were Ben and Les and and even with Ben and Lace, like you, you get to really, when there's only, you know, two of you that you're, that you're booking, there's, there's certain things that that allows. Um, but as you grow, like th- things have to adjust, you know, like, um, while we still are doing 10 K weddings, there's also opportunity for us to do weddings that aren't at that 10 K range. And so I think right now we're really content where we're at you know, we've never intended to grow. Like, I don't know how to say this, man. Like, like when we've found photographers, we've never been out there like, Oh, we got to put out an ad. We've never, like, we got to go find the next photographer. Like it is like, this is the question that everyone asks. Like, how did you find the photographers? How did you end up bringing them? Like, I didn't ask that question. I know, but, but (laughs) this is kind of a part of this. Like if we're going to grow larger, like we've done it by not trying to do it. It's kind of been serendipitous in it's in its way that it's manifested itself. And we're always open for change. So it's been organic growth. It has. And and though the willingness to accept when it's on your like right on your lap. Like change is a part of our strategy. Like every company has their marketing. Well hopefully you've got your marketing strategy, like your whole plan and how you're how you're gonna grow your business and how you're gonna attract new leads and how you're gonna scale and 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 stay in business. And for us, one of those key values is change. Change is the strategy. And so we're always aware and ready for when things need to change because uh, it's a, something that you can't always control. So we'd rather be looking for the opportunity rather than waiting for us it to like punch us in the throat. Sure. So I want to kind of jump back to the whole longboarding thing. I was listening sure. to a bunch of your podcasts to do some research before this. And one that really caught me was the commitment episode you did with Ben Adams. Um, yeah. who works with you at Style and Story. Um, and you talked in there about uh, 
how when you were longboarding, you'd always go out and buy the best or most expensive equipment. And it was like a brain hack for you because it, was, it would cause you to ride more, practice harder because you'd spent all this money, you made this huge investment. Yes. Um, so I was just kind of wondering, like, you talked a little bit about how you see that, like through doing workshops and other things um, with photography. And I was wondering, that was maybe two, three years ago. Like, how is this something that has continued on in your business as you continue to grow? And how 100%. do you see it manifesting itself now with like doing a photography podcast and now planning a workshop of your own and doing all these other things? 100% dude, even as it relates to like journaling, like that's what Ben and I were talking about too. Like, like the, like understanding that, that journaling is an important component to a morning routine that to get my thoughts out onto paper, but to actually create an experience that I'm going to want to actually partake in for a number of reasons. One is because it feels right. There's status involved when you've got a beautiful leather, uh, journal, with, you know, this stunning like pen that is got like, well, you know what, I, I don't know how to describe a stunning pen, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like there's something about that's that feeling that you have the status that, that you want to actually partake in that, uh, rather than like a blick pen that's like kind of scratchy and you're writing in like, um, a rip out piece of notebook paper. Um, and then again, going back to what you just said, like the fact that like you've invested money into this thing that you will not waste it. This is one of the reasons that I actually, you know, I believe in charging for my own courses and my workshops as much as I want more people to do it. I also understand that more people will actually execute and actually take advice when they value it themselves. I mean, how many mm -hmm. of you listening here have gotten the free PDF BS or you've, 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 you've signed up for some free training online and then you never, you never, you never take it in. You never do the research. You never like actually learn or you do. And then you don't apply it. Cause you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, but when you actually invest in yourself, you, you fulfill it. Like you actually follow through at least this, you'll at least be far more likely to, and so this is no, this is like, this shows itself in almost every component of my life. You guys <laughs> like even, uh, and it doesn't always start that way right off the bat, but it ends up, um, getting to that point of just really trying to push things and, and hack my brain because I know that I, as you know, like Tim Ferriss is kind of like this freak of nature. At least that's kind mm -hmm. of how we see this guy as like, he just executes at every level. I know that I am like. I am, it, I'm so susceptible uh, to choosing the easiest path. I'm lazy. I want to just sleep sometimes. Like uh, I'm distracted. Uh, like th there's so many other things that I, I do. And so I know that about myself. I'm so self-aware of it. And I just try to beat it um, or give myself a slight upper hand. So you have five photographers who work for you shooting yeah. weddings and stuff, right? How do you get them invested the way that you feel like you're invested um other than just paying them you money. don't you don't <laughs> dude you don't like no one is ever going to care as much about your business as you will and if you think that that's the goal you're going to mess it up like mm -hmm. i you just you they don't and i'm there i'm okay with that i'm okay with that but they're never going to care as much about style story as i will right yeah. Um, so I guess maybe, hopefully, I don't know if there's a follow-up question to that, but I think that that's the lie that like they've, you've got to find this person that's going to be as bought in. And if they start, if you notice them not being as bought in, you're like, oh man, are they like, what's the deal? Are they leaving? Do I need to pay them more? Like, what, like, what, like they, they will never love it and own it as much as you do. 
I get that they'll never love it and own it as much as you do, but I'm just wondering, like, how do you encourage them to be investing in themselves, investing uh, not necessarily in the company, but you want to train these people up to be better because that benefits you. So, like, how do you how do you help them to recognize their own like goals that are things that they don't necessarily realize could help your company, but they could potentially change your company. Like how did you get into podcasting? Was it just something you wanted to do or did you meet with somebody else who talked to you about it and you saw how like much it was helping their business or, you know, just little things like that and how people can help to influence your business and stuff from the inside this is kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. So I feel like there was two different questions there and and maybe yeah. you were just using the podcast thing as an example, but it got me distracted. And no, that's so this fine. Go with the distraction. Is, no, 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 no. So the specific question is like, how do you get them to, um, to thrive? Is that maybe like yeah. the, the, the general kind of sentiment, which in turn G- makes general sentiment, you yeah. thrive. Sure. Um, if, if I want something, um, or if I want somebody to have a sense of ownership and, and, and want to see themselves improve and want to be in, interested and invested in whatever it is, then I have to very first um, actually give them that interest and investment back. Like it's attention. Part of it is attention. It's giving them the freedom uh, as well. Like I learned how to be a boss um, from my boss. I used to work at a graphic design studio in Toledo, Ohio. And um, that's where I learned uh, through example of what that looked like. And so to really give, we give a lot of freedom. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of freedom, free reigns, not a lot of micromanaging that takes place. It's, it's this combination of, uh, investing in people, investing in their, um, and their development and their growth, um, while also not micromanaging how they actually go about doing that. Mm-hmm. And everyone's different too. So I don't want to make it sound like it's this blanket statement because there are certain people here even that like they actually want more of that uh, direction and encouragement. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think at the, at the start it's, you know, for us, we really spent time at the very beginning, you know, asking these questions of, you know, it goes, this is great, actually a great correlation. We, uh, we were just interviewing for another babysitter for another nanny. And, you know, one of the last questions that I asked, uh, the girl who came in and this is the same thing for Stone stories, like as, as much as we're, you know, like looking for a babysitter, um, you are also looking for the right company. You're looking for the right family. Right. And so what does that look like for you? How do you want to be treated? And what do you like, how do you want to be managed and being comfortable asking those questions? Uh, and so it's like community, it's like any relationship, you guys, it's like talk, 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 be vulnerable, ask questions, be okay. Um, hearing things that aren't pleasant. Also, can I just throw this in here? Mm-hmm. I'm young at this. Like when, you know, for the longest time, it's just been Ben and I, you know, and so I can talk a lot more about that because that's been a lot longer of a journey, but from going from three to five just happened this year, you know, so we haven't even had that full season under us. And so I just want to acknowledge that I'm young in this process and I bet there's someone out there who's got a much better answer (laughs) as I work through discovering (laughs) what it looks like. But I think there's something to be said for being not only young in it, but young in general and and kind of being where you are in the process. 
I mean, I, I mean, you could probably count on, you know, two hands, how many photographers that are your age that has four other photographers, uh, working for them. Yeah. Yeah. That, and maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, I'm not that young either too, you know, like, uh, 31 isn't spring chicken just yet. Hey, I'm 30 and Steve, Steve, what are you? 31, 32, S- 65, basically 65? <laughs> um, in my heart. So, I mean, I like to think of myself still as young. So don't age us, Ben, just because you feel old. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so wait, wait, wait. I want to, I want to, I want to talk more about the uh, podcast. You said you kind of got distracted by that. I wanted to uh, see where it was you wanted to go with that. Oh no, I guess um, I just my brain was being pulled in two different directions, and so ah. maybe you can re-ask the question about the podcast. Oh, I think you were asking like if anybody like uh, spurred me on or encouraged me to like I don't know what your exact question was. Yeah, but. yeah, no, I was just kind of trying to use that as an example. Um, I don't know exactly how the podcast started, but like what spurred you on to start the podcast? I was wondering if maybe it was something that grew out of your relationships with the people who are working for you and their interests, or if it was just something you yourself were interested in. Yeah. Just, just good old, just good old me just thrashing. (laughs) (laughs) The six figure was kind of born out of you just wanting to try something new or was it, you know, day one of six uh, figure, how did, where, where did that thought, where did that light bulb come from? It's, we got to go back actually, because, you know, part of my, my origin story, if you will, if we were to kind of, if I was a superhero, maybe Marvel, I would imagine, um, my origin story movie, uh, you know, the scene would be set, um, in my one bedroom apartment, uh, in Bowling Green, Ohio stadium view apartments, um, and, uh, sitting there with my wife back when we had just gotten married and we were like rewind, not had never photographed a wedding, uh, you know, like that, this is the early days. Uh, and so when we were trying to figure it out, we started this whole episode, you guys were asking me, what did those early days look like? How did I go from oil painter to wedding photographer, et cetera. And so back then it was the question of, you know, what does this look like? How do we do this? Um, and so I reached out to another photographer to ask the question of like, what is this whole wedding photography industry look like? <laughs> what am I getting myself into if I decide to, to jump in this direction. And so I just, it's one of those things that I'll never forget. I remember I, I pace a lot when I talk podcasts are the only time that I don't because I'm fixed to this mic, but generally speaking, I pace all the time. I pace on stage. And so I'm pacing back and forth on my linoleum kitchen floor. And I called up a photographer, um, that my wife had known, uh, back in her hometown. And anyhow, I called them up to ask the question, you know, what, what does this look like? You know, tell me a little bit more. I'm, I'm just curious of what I'm getting myself into. And so like that photographer right there told me something I never expected to hear. I, again, knew just, di- I was expecting, you know, you need a 7,200 lens, make sure you get liability insurance. I'm expecting all these things. And instead, um, he told me, don't do it, that I would only bring the industry down. Like that was the only option like that. Look, just because, you know, I'm some art kid out of college and just because I have a camera doesn't mean that I'm a photographer. It doesn't mean I'm a wedding photographer. It doesn't mean I can start a business um, that everyone keeps doing this and they keep, you know, lowering and lowering the bar for both the creative and the experience for clients and to not do it because I'm just going to continue to bring the industry down. Um, and, and, you know, those words really became a driving force. They become a motivation. They became um, something that in my mind when I did do it, 
and I, uh, I created something that was spectacular for myself and my family, you know, I really wanted to make sure that not only did I win for, for me, but I could help elevate the industry that I could help see other people win because the reality of his words was that they were based 100% in a fear based mindset and a scarcity mindset that -hmm. there's not enough, that there's not enough brides out there. There's not enough grooms. There's not enough bookings that if I win, he loses that if I enter that he's going to somehow be hurt. Um, and it was all in scarcity and in almost an effort to resist and reject that because I, you know, we all have this tendency and I can't be completely altruistic. Like we all have this, this whisper in our voice that says, don't tell that person your secret. Don't tell them how you shot that. You know, like it it still is there as a way to punch it in the face. I decided that there would be no secrets that I would help everyone who would ask questions and I would put it all out there and try to elevate elevate everybody because I knew deep down in my, in my gut, whether or not I, I fully believed at the time, but I knew that the more that I gave, the more I'd be blessed. The more that other people won, it would not mean that I would lose. It would actually mean that I would continue to win just fine. And then, and on top of it, like if you want to grow in your confidence and your self-worth, one of the best ways to do that is to provide value to other people. Like that's like step one. Step one isn't try to figure out how to get what's yours. Step one is how to give everybody and how to elevate everybody else. And this was a huge boost for me is just to be able to kind of die to self and try to lift other people up and, and help them, help them win. So that's my long winded answer, man. That's where, that's where it came from. So where on the timeline though, did the actual like podcast and like, I know that if, and correct me if I'm wrong, the podcast started before the live content. Correct. Yeah. So we're in 2018. I believe, I believe it's been two years. Maybe it's been three, let's just say 2015 and 2015. I could probably open up iTunes and like see when like episode one went out. Um, I, I actually don't know. I'm, I'm really bad with like this whole like date and time thing. Um, so let's, let's say 2015 and, uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now, actually. So when you were, when you were, while you're looking that up, so when you were deciding, um, that you wanted to elevate the photography community and you wanted to give back, um, why podcasting? Why was that sort of the medium that you chose, uh, to best do that? Yeah, it, it's because I know my strengths and certainly written content is not one of them. Blogging is not one of them. I took a stab. If you go back to the archives, I took a stab at that whole like blogging thing and like writing stuff. And that about killed me. And again, full circle, I do what I love. (laughs) Uh, I did not love writing. I did not love blogging. And so this was a way to get my voice out there to be pretty, pretty candid. And, um, it was, it was a great way to distribute the content, right? I could do it far faster with just audio than I ever could with video. Um, and so you'll see even in some of those early days that I was, I was messing around with video content as well. Um, but audio was like, it was the quickest turnkey, right? Turn mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, where do you see style and story and six figure and like, I don't know, five years, 10 years. Yeah. Uh, style and story, I see continue to kick it. I, I do see it continue to grow, but maybe in different ways. Um, I could see potentially stepping into portraiture. I could see us owning like a co-work space, like an actual commercial building where, um, 
we're doing some work within that with other creatives. Um, that, that's, that's, this is me throwing, you know, darts at a board right now. Like right. I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. riffing, um, with six figure photography, you know, I, it's been interesting, Justin, like the name came about because it was catchy. You know, I was like, yeah, that people yeah. would want to search that people would, people want to make money as photographers. Right. And yeah. And so, so that's where it started. But just learning more about myself over the process, to be quite candid, I really don't care. A, if you're necessarily, I don't want to say I don't care. It's of little consequence to me if you are actually a photographer. And I certainly don't care if your goal is to make six figures, seven figures, or five figures. Like, I believe that the message that I have is as much for, you know, the single parent in Idaho who's working a full-time day job and would like to take a stab at her, her side hustle of knitting t-shirts, um, Mm -hmm. and is trying to figure out how to partially monetize that to, to step away from her full-time job. Like, and I believe that the, the content that I have to give is as much for them uh, as it is for the photographer. And so I actually see things pivoting a little bit for, for six figure photography. Um, and so I'm far more interested in helping people understand that they have the ability to do what they love, like to design their own life. I think too often people feel like that they miss the boat, that that was something that, that only could have happened a while ago, but they made the wrong choice, mm-hmm. that they're undeserving of it, that that's, you know, something that could, should be set aside for somebody else. They don't quite deserve it. They've made a decision in their life or whatever it may be. They're not good enough. Right. And I want to invite people in and, and give them permission, um, positivity, but also practicality of how to go about doing this. And you know, it's, it's come from the fact that I've, I've heard time and time again, I get off stage, I leave, you know, I, I get a DM from someone who's been listening to the podcast and they're like, yo, Ben, I've been listening to the podcast for two years. I'm not a photographer. <laughs> like I'm an engineer who's, who's wanting to like sell like custom, like stocks for like hunting, like deer hunting rifles. And I find your podcast fascinating. Like, like this gets me really excited. And so that's where I see, I see things going is, is actually making a move towards really trying to help, um, people step out and design the life that they want to live, including photographers. I'm not going to leave photographers at the wayside. I think it's going to be just as impactful and helpful for them. Mm -hmm. Kind of going more broader, help more people with more things. Help more people with more things, more stuff. Yeah, I just have to be true to myself. Uh, you know, like I have to always make sure that I'm being 100% authentic to who I am. And the very notion of six-figure photography suggests that the end goal is to make six figures. And I once again believe that, the A, that's not even my goal. Um, and so it feels inauthentic to who I am. But I also believe that uh, even even outside of even outside of creative entrepreneurship, man, like I believe that my message is also for the high school kid who wants to be in theater, but his parents want him to be in track and he wants to go do him, right? Like he wants to do what he wants to do. I want to be able to give them that dose of what they need. So yes, that's, that's kind of, you know, those are on my, that's on my horizon of where I see things moving towards. I think uh, my favorite part of uh, Ben Hartley, if I may, dare I say, um, that you kind of have this luxury brand of wedding photography, um, if we can call it that, yet you're constantly, you know, you got that long surfer-like hairstyle going on. And, you know, you're wearing those Air Force Ones all the time, which I, I love that about you. But I'm currently you, wearing them. 
They, as you should, you know, like it's sort of like this sort of two sides of the coin with, you know, you got this luxury brand where, you know, I'm picturing Ben Hartley in a three-piece suit and a bow tie. Like, you know, when I see your like behind the scenes stuff at weddings, but you know, I know when you're at the studio, you're wearing Air Force Ones, kicking it with a hat flipped backwards and, you know, long hair. That's, that's my favorite part of the, the Ben trilogy story. Do you know what's fun about that is uh, these are intentional things. Like I think some people get a tattoo to remind themselves of of certain beliefs that they have in life. You know what I mean? Like core elements to remind themselves of things. So now other people get tattoos for entirely different reasons. So this, <laughs> this isn't entirely hold true. But like I do the stuff that I do. Like the reason I have long hair right now is to remind myself that I really, I really am going to continue to do me exactly to the extent like that I, as much as I I mean, I do care what other people think, but in a different way, I really don't give a rip. Like it's to remind me that I'm going to continue to do what I love in all things in life. And the fact that I love this and this is how I am. Uh, it's just like, it's a reminder of that. It's just this little ting that like, I'm, I'm, I'm me. So the day we see Ben Hartley not wearing Air Force One high tops, it'll be a, <laughs> that'll be a day we know he's sold out. He's gone in. <laughs> It's already happening. Like I think, like already this week, I haven't worn them a couple times. No, it's not like always like this. This tried and true thing. It's just like in the back of my mind, it's this thing. Because look, I'm gonna cut my hair. It's gonna happen. And then probably in like three years, I'll grow back out just to remind myself that um, that I get to call the like I call the shots. That's it. That's a man who's not afraid of balding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not. So Ben, we've been talking a lot about uh, IGTV that new yeah. thing Instagram's doing. And yeah. as somebody who started out like live streaming almost every single day, um, what was that like three or four years ago when you started doing that? Yeah. Uh, a couple, a couple of years, I think, I think two, again, dates, times, real yeah. fuzzy. Let's go <laughs> two years. Okay. Uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on IGTV. If you see, um, a way for this to be helpful for you to reach new people, or if you have any interest in it at all. Oh, I, I have so much interest in it. I think it's it's Instagram's continual stab at, at dominating markets. And I, th I think they're going after long form, high quality content like on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and they won't conquer YouTube, but I think they're going to end up creating like this, this own entity, like this own platform in itself, like this own idea that like when people see professional, intentional, long form vertical videos, even if like it goes to become something else, like it's always going to be like, oh, like that, 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 that's an IGTV video. Like, like, does that make sense? Like you almost, you, yeah. there's certain content that just looks like YouTube content. There's content that looks like Snapchat content. Um, back in the day, it was content that looks like Vine, right? Like these mm -hmm. Vines moved to become memes on like YouTube and other places. And you always still think, consider them, um, Vines. Uh, I think that we're still doing it for the vine even today. Yeah. Do it for the vine. Right. I think that's happening with, with IGTV and it's really kind of interesting. I'm, I'm from like a macro standpoint, really curious what continues to happen as technology keeps getting better and better on phones and phones become more and more like already it's, it is the, it's the way that we consume content. But like what happens when it becomes the only way that you consume content? And if large in part vertical video is the standard, like like back in the day, you guys, four by three ratio was the standard square was the standard right for. And now it's we're at this 16 by nine ratio, uh, this horizontal, you know, thing. But 
I'm fascinated with what happens when our phone and that camera becomes the only way most, you know, large in part that content gets consumed on the daily. Right. I think that there's always going to be a place for cinema, but I think, um, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see how it evolves. Um, Facebook, Instagram taking over the world, going to hitch, hitch a ride with Elon Musk to another planet soon. Yeah. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for Amazon to step up. Um, and not necessarily produce a, uh, not necessarily a social platform, but a, a new way to consume content platform, something like for creators. Like I think Instagram is for, uh, creators like YouTube is and, um, and a platform that Amazon, I, I like, cause Amazon just freaking owns everything. And so it just is only natural. Like it's only a matter of time. I feel like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I think they, they rolled out a few years ago, a way to self-publish books uh, through Amazon. So it would make yeah. sense that the next step of the evolution would be to self-publish, you know, TV series or, you know, short films or, or web content. Yep. So Steve, do you want to, you want to move into some Q and a, so Ben, I don't know if you had a chance so, to listen so real to quick, our... that wasn't Q and a, that was, <laughs> <laughs> no, go, so, go ahead, Stephen. Was... I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to any of our other episodes, but one thing we like to do at the end is we answer questions that we find on the internet. And these are just things that are a little bit sillier and they're things we don't actually have to answer seriously. We yeah. can if we feel like it is worthwhile to, but you know, we don't have to. So are you ready to do some Q and A or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Rapid fire. Let's do it. Awesome. Get ready to bleep me if, if you need to. <laughs> well, we are an explicit podcast. So. Are you really? You're explicitly rated. Well, there have been a few times where, you know, some cuss words have slipped through and I was like, we could edit all these out or we could just leave them in and change us, change it from clean to explicit. So. Love it. Love it. All right, let's do it. All right. Let's do some Q&A. But, but Steve. So Aryan from the Facebook groups asks... I'm tired of people getting in my way during the Barat and other events, but especially the Barat. Should I wear a sign that says, hey, I'm walking here or just and just point to it when I'm pushing through a crowd to get a shot? Or is there a better way to get people to move out of my way? I just hate feeling like I have to push people out of the way. No one seems to mind, but sometimes I just wish I had a flashing light on my head to clear a path. <laughs> Any suggestions? I think he needs to get over himself. I think like, and this is me now jabbing a bit. Like the Barat is not for you. I know you're documenting it, but like this is the cluster F for the friends and family. It is that dude, here's the thing. It's not even just get over yourself, like embrace it. Like that's what makes Barat, like that's what makes Barat's the absolute best thing to photograph. And that's what's gonna get you the best pictures. When you got people like all up in your face and they're to the right and to the left of you and you turn one way and there's still somebody right there and you're getting and you're getting pushed and you're dancing and they're dancing like i think it's it's maybe less of getting over themselves and more of just like embrace the chaos don't resist it welcome it like that is what makes a barat beautiful and amazing and the like one of the most uh incredibly fun things to photograph ever i want people in my face during a barat so, for, so for, wait, for those who have not shot an Indian wedding, uh, Steve or Ben, can you guys uh, explain to the listeners what a Barat is? Steve, you want to take a jab or you want me? 
I mean, I can, but you're the guest, so I'm going to let you go for it. <laughs> Look, I'm, I, uh, I'll i take a, as close of a, a stab of it as possible. Um, it's a celebration uh, as the groom, this is prior to the ceremony, the groom mm-hmm. gathers up uh, with all of his friends and family, um, oftentimes on a, a horse, could be an elephant, could be a Ferrari, some dope car, and they circle <laughs> the ceremony location uh, together, dancing, celebrating, uh, where they meet the bride family where the bride's family then welcomes him in and prepares him for the ceremony and so it's just this incredible party imagine like a a um like a a, a neighborhood like party just like a block party like, like in the middle of, like a party yes, like a parade combo middle of the street everyone's dancing music's blaring they got people with drums like drumming away and so to the uh, to the person's question like it is insane and no one's gonna get out of your way and so don't think yourself so important instead like enjoy it dance and laugh and celebrate and be in with the with the chaos because that's where the best photographs are the best photographs aren't when people get out of your way that's when you're gonna have boring photographs hire two extra shooters <laughs> yeah maybe maybe the first time i ever shot a barat it was in muncie indiana which is a tiny little town and they had to close down a street and so they had to put something out like to the public saying they were closing down the street for this event and so then a bunch of people from like the town just came because they wanted to witness it because they'd never seen something like it before <laughs> It's like a town uh, spectacle. Yeah. No, yeah. It was, it's crazy and it was fun. But have you ever been punched during a barat or something? No, you, no. You I, I don't, I don't mean to say punched like literally, <laughs> but just like people are dancing and they're swinging around and they're like on one leg and they're hopping. And like it, it's like it and they're all everyone's circled around. It's like mob status. Like so. So yeah. to be punched actually wouldn't be like crazy to be. And it wouldn't be a specific punch. It's not like it's a um, uh, what are those things called at punk concerts? A mosh pit. Um, <laughs> there it is. But like, you know, you're going to bump into people uh, and they're going to bump into you. So, yeah. Yeah, the worst is I think like when you're at a like a barat situation or even uh, any reception and like you elbow somebody because you're like, you know, try to keep my arms relatively like tucked in while I'm taking pictures on the dance floor as to not yeah. elbow someone in the face. But it, it has happened. Yep. Please tell me you haven't given someone a black eye, Dustin. Jeez. It's not like I check in with them the next day, Stephen, and oh, say gosh. like, hey, did you put some, you know, a bag of peas on that eye? Dustin, do you have a question you want to ask? Yeah. Kenny from the Facebook groups asks, how do you hold in a laugh on a shoot if something funny happens? I don't want my bride and groom to feel bad, but if the bride lets out, let's say, a fart at a time when everyone is completely quiet, how can I keep myself from losing my shit? Because I didn't keep my cool, and then it gets awkward afterward. Man, that I, <laughs> that's a really great question. Uh, I usually laugh at things <laughs> that I think are funny. Uh, and that's my, I mean, I don't, I don't hold it in. Like I laugh. Um, sometimes I'll even wait till everyone's done laughing and then I'll give my last little like, <laughs> just to see what happens. <laughs> ben Harley always happen to have the last laugh. The last laugh. You know, look, that's good. That's a good question. Um, self-control. I don't, I don't know. I have no self-control on wedding days. So typically I'm the one creating the awkward environments. 
Um, so yeah, typically my wife is the one having to kind of like laugh me off. <laughs> laugh you off? Like, oh, my husband, and then roll her eyes and that. <laughs> what do you do, Steve? What's what's your go-to? Do you just, you know, you're like a cold soul on the wedding day or what? Well, every time I go to shoot a wedding, um, right before the day starts, I just take a little thumbtack, super glue it to my middle <laughs> finger, and if something really funny happens, I just dig it right into the palm of my hand. Oh! Keep myself from laughing. Yeah. yeah that you know, it's gruesome, and I'm, I'm scarred all over the place, <laughs> but, you know. It's all right. It gives me that those rough hands, though, because as a photographer, you don't really get those good calluses going. So when you go to shake hands with somebody, they might, you know, they don't they don't see you as like a, a working man. And they might think you're a little soft. But, you know, I got those nice, nice scars. So I, I feel rough to people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> when someone says, oh, you must be a sailor. You're like, no, I just really push thumb thumbtacks into my hands a lot. No, I let them ride with that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I worked on a, a wooden boat and I got a lot of splinters. Your whaling captain. <laughs> so Allison from the Facebook groups asks, I was shooting a wedding recently and it was mealtime. Best mm-hmm. time of the day. Mm-hmm. My contract states that I have to be served a hot meal at each wedding. I shoot. I went to the vendor table and my second shooter and I were oh. served Little Caesars Pizza. WTF. How do I keep this from ever happening again? For starters, you should be thankful because Little Caesars Pizza is pretty dope. Um, $5 hot and ready's are sketchy, but um, it is it is something that, again, I think you recognize that, yes, like, look, I, I am exhausted at this conversation. Uh, it's not in our contract that we be served a hot meal, um, but we we often are there's been occasional times where we're not but you like you just keep doing the thing like i don't have a good answer for you apart from don't focus on the negative uh and enjoy the food that you're given uh and then go take more pictures like i just like i i i know that that's not like a great answer um and it's not even a funny one either uh because i just think that that you um you should enjoy what you get when it comes to that personally after doing this for 10 years i would welcome a little caesar's pizza over <laughs> you know the, the pork <laughs> loin or whatever you know like yeah it would be totally better than that um it'd be totally better than that like i guess this i expect nothing mm-hmm. do I, you have anything in your contract about food or do you bring your own food to every single wedding me? Nope. Don't bring any of my own food. I expect nothing. And the crazy thing happens when I just choose to put people first in my business. When I choose to put my clients first, in my business, uh, love them more than I love the photographs, the portfolio shots, getting published, getting featured and winning. Uh, I tend to attract people that do the same thing for me. And so more often than not, we are sitting out with the guests. Mm-hmm. So I think you're focused on, you know, the the symptom that's expressing itself. That's probably maybe um, something that's deeper that you should try to try to line up more. Do you like being seated with the guests? Um, I I don't mind it. Um, I know where you're you're coming from. I think everybody wants to kind of disappear. The reality for us is we rarely like 
disappear and we rarely like really sit down you know like we'll um we'll sit and we'll have our meal but like there's no like that side back room that you just kind of like hide away it for a little bit mm. um we just rarely do that uh and so yeah i do enjoy sitting with the guests because the guests that's like your next clients right mm -hmm. So the, the ability to connect with people and talk with people um, is something that, I mean, this is like sales, right? It's like, it's, it's just caring for other people. Yeah. Awesome. So if anyone out there is listening that's hired Ben Hartley to shoot their wedding, by all means, throw him a little Caesars pizza. He will that's eat right. that shit up, but not Papa pizza. John's little Caesars. You got to get better that pizza, pizza pizza going on. Better pizza. Papa John's. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. You would prefer Papa John's. I just want to make sure I have this written down. I actually, I couldn't tell you. Like, I really don't know. I don't know. Ben Hartley doesn't eat carbs. No, I eat carbs. I just don't like I I'm actually really bad when it comes to like taste buds. This is probably all oh, this is also probably why I don't care you guys like about the whole food thing is because I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just like I eat stuff and then I forget about it. Like it gave me the nutrients that I needed and then I just go and I do more things. So I don't really like my my memory towards like uh, taste is not the best. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's uh, it's kind of a fun fact about you. Is it? Huh? Very nice. What else we got? What else we got? Last one. Yay. Tracy from the Facebook groups asks, I wore a white shirt and black pants while shooting a wedding. When I walked into the bride's room, the bride immediately looked annoyed. I didn't know what was going on. So after briefly talking to her, I got to work on the details. Then, while I was shooting the rings, a bridesmaid came up to me and asked me if I had another shirt I would wear. I asked if I had to tear, if I had a tear, or if it was see-through or something else. I didn't realize. After a few awkward moments, the bridesmaid said that the bride didn't want me to be wearing white. WTF? Is this a thing? Are we not supposed to wear white shirts? Oh. Man, I that is a doozy. Wow, I feel bad for the photographer. I like I have oh man, I have empathy for you. No, I don't I think that'd be fine. Like it's hard enough as a woman photographer to try to find what to wear, let alone to take out white as one of the color palettes for like a, a top. So no girl, Tra Tracy, right? Yeah. Tracy you do you you did all right i think hopefully you know you were able to find a solution to make that particular bride happy but i think it's totally okay to be in a white top now if you showed up in a white like summer dress eh, maybe we'd be having a different conversation <laughs> uh but nah i i think you're okay yeah, yeah I I mean, my solution to this is i just keep a bridal gown that fits me that's tailored <laughs> for me in the trunk of my car so if anybody ever were to say something like this to me i just go change it in my bridal gown and then come back out to shoot and then i see what they felt like then i really would like a picture of you in this bridal gown steven can that can that be arranged i'll send it straight to you don't worry bro my solution is just a kool-aid packet in the bottom uh, kool-aid kool packet in the back pocket wow that was a tongue twister uh so, so yeah it's a little bit of that kool-aid dye you're like, good to oh, go now it's red <laughs> yep G give me five seconds and uh let me see if i can get some of these rubber bands we're gonna do a tie-dye tie-dye <laughs> <A tie> <laughs> you guys that's awesome
Come soak your bouquets in these water vases for me, guys, so I can uh, stick my shirt in here. Oh my word. Oh. This so, is what us wedding photographers have to think about, analyze, <laughs> quantify. Quantify. <laughs> I feel like my other two answers were like a little too jabby at the people who asked. <laughs> I'm like, ah. So uh, I will blanket it out with an apology. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's then. okay. These people, uh, th these aren't people from our Facebook group. These are just random Facebook groups I find online. So the uh, odds uh, that one of these people will actually respond, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. I'm specifically looking for like the questions that are the pettiest questions I can find because I think those are more <laughs> fun to answer. That's too funny, you guys. Questions we get on our Facebook group is a safe place, not a place where we would ridicule and criticize and. Unless, of course, one of us asks it, then, yes, and then, then it's then free it's game. Good. Yep. Well, perfect, Ben. It's been a pleasure uh, chit-chatting with you. Is there anything um, you know, you've got going on, anything you would like to talk about? Um, I thought I heard a little, a little whisper that maybe the workshop was coming back this year. It is. Uh, we're, so I do a workshop every year. Um, it's called abundance, maximizing joy, meaning and profits. Um, but look, it's, it's happening. It's December 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th. It's at my place. It's like three days long. It's like, uh, it, it's really long because <laughs> when I say three days, but it's like 9 a.m. to like 1 a.m. every day. We just uh, we go hard, um, but it only has one slot left. So like, hey, people want to check it out. Cool. Um, so you should probably it actually if you if you actually are interested in it, just DM me on Instagram. J Ben Hartley on Instagram would be the best way. So I could just talk to see if it actually makes sense for you. Cause I have no interest in you coming. If it's not going to like explode your heart, melt your face and better your business. And so I think it just looked like a conversation, but my guess is that one slot's going to be gone, you know, by that time, I don't know when this is going live. Um, but it's yeah, live right now we're literally oh, <laughs> podcasting to the don't live lie, Dustin. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. J Ben I'm sorry. J Ben Hartley on Instagram. Just DM me. Perfect. And let's, then it, let's try to get him enough people that he has to do another workshop. Oh, I like this. In that case, sixfigurephotography.com forward slash abundance. Nice. And uh, where can people, is that kind of like where you want people sent your way to find out more about you and what you've got going on? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I would say there's a great crash course for photographers to check out, uh, and they should go, we should get a link on the show notes, but six figure forward slash seven day crash course. We'll just get a link down for you guys sure. uh, so they can just click it. But yeah, six figure forward slash seven day crash course, all one word. Uh, and it's freaking incredible to be quite honest. Like I just put everything that I got, uh, into like seven days of emails. Um, it is not light reading. Uh, each day I take a component of your business and I turn it on its head and, and talk about all the things and the stuff to be done. Uh, to really rock it. And so um, I'd highly encourage people to check that out. Mm -hmm. That sounds awesome. Fun, fun. Any, anything else, Ben, before we skadoodle, I've got to get to a photo shoot here soon. Yeah. Get to the photo shoot, man. Uh, if anybody wants uh, to talk about doing what they love, benhartley.com. Other than that, uh, Dustin, Steven, thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Wait, it's ben, been awesome. real quick before we leave, though. Yeah. What's your favorite roller coaster at Cedar Point? Uh, Iron Dragon or the Mine Ride? Oh, um, really? 
It's a toss-up. I'm going to go Mine Ride. I'm going to go Mine Ride. So you like those older coasters. Yeah. Maybe Iron Dragon. Uh, Iron Dragon goes over the water with the mist. Mine Ride is so great because of the tunnels. Uh, it's a, I don't know. It's a toss up mine rider, iron dragon. And also because you can just like run circles and you can go on it and then hop back in line and go on it again and hop back in line and go on it again. And I would take four rides of the iron dragon over one ride of, I don't know what they even have right now. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Oh man. It's nice. Like millennium force all day, every day. Yeah. That's time. like a five hour wait. And half the time they shoot you up and you don't even make it over the top and you just fall back down. Oh, that's Ooh. you're thinking of the other one, the dragster. Oh yeah, yeah, top drill dragster. That's my bad. Okay, See, I'm a little closer to Sandusky than you, so I'm you know a little bit more educated. <laughs> but it's neither here nor there. All right, Ben, you go. You go get back to crushing it. You know, creating live content, making podcasts, shooting weddings, and uh, overall just being awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks so much for having me on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Not a problem. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Dustin. Thanks, Steven. Have a great day. Dustin, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me today and, and with Ben. Have a great day. Yeah. See you, bud. Cool. Spread them. Wedding Photo Hangover is edited by Steve Van Elk from Bespoke Tone. You can hit up Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, or audio editing needs. Woo-wee!